0: Welcome to Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm, with your host, Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network.
1: Hey, welcome to a new episode of the Legal Toolkit here on the Legal Talk Network. If you're looking for my 30s, well, you're shit out of luck. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener, and if you're Ambrose Small, probably no one knows where the fuck you disappeared to. As always, I'm your host, Jared Correa, and in addition to casting this pod, I am the founder and CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting and technology services for law firms. Check us out at redcavelegal.com. That's R-E-D-C-A-V-E-L-E-G-A-L.com. You can also buy my book, Twitter in One Hour for Lawyers, from the American Bar Association, on iTunes, at Amazon, and probably at the Pickwick Bookshop in Nyack, New York, which is right next door to Sleepy Hollow. Here on the Legal Toolkit, however, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own Legal Toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. Now, before we get started today, I feel like it's an appropriate time to pour out a little liquor for my dead homie, Tom Petty. So here are my top five obscure Tom Petty songs for your listening pleasure. I'm going to count them down. Number one, Girl on LSD. This is a deleted track, unreleased track, I should say that was intended as a B-side for the single Wildflowers, but was considered too controversial by Warner Brothers to have it released. And you can probably understand why. Number two, King's Highway, but not the album version, the live version, which is on the playback box set. Number three, the same old you. This is like kick-ass rockin' Tom Petty, and it was a track that wasn't released from the album long after dark. Number four, Poor House. You know I had to get a Traveling Wilbury song on here, and here it is. Now, this is off the lesser-known Volume 3, which is not to be confused with Volume 1, which had all the hits on it in 1988. Last but not least, number 5, Flirting with Time, from the very underrated final solo disc of Tom Petty's career called Highway Companion. Now, as you all know, nobody was a bigger TP fan than Mr. Luchek, but Miss April comes pretty close. Back to the show, in this episode, we're going to talk about monetizing your experience and diversifying your portfolio. But before I introduce today's guest, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. We would like to thank our sponsor, Thomson Reuters Firm Central, cloud-based legal practice management that streamlines your day and automates non-billable administrative tasks so you can accomplish more with less. Answer1 is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800 Answer1 or online at www.answerone.com. onecom That's www.answer number 1.com. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Now, today's guest is Dory Clark. Dory is an adjunct professor at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business and the author of three books, Entrepreneurial You, Reinventing You, and Stand Out, the last of which was named the number one leadership book of 2015 by Inc. Magazine. A former presidential campaign spokeswoman, The New York Times described her as an expert at self-reinvention and helping others make changes in their lives. A frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, she consults and speaks for clients like Google, Microsoft, and the World Bank. So that's pretty good. In addition to all of those tremendous accolades, Dory is basically the Alec Baldwin of the Legal Toolkit podcast. Having racked up the most guest appearances of anyone else to this point, this is actually Dory's third guest appearance on the show. So, welcome back to the show, Dory. And how does it feel to be the most frequent guest on the Legal Toolkit?
2: This is a big honor. This is uh, this is big time, Jared. Thank you so much.
1: Early uh, holiday gift for you. (laughs) Put that (laughs) one on your mantle. (laughs) So I feel like we have you on the show every time you come out with a book or every time a book of yours is in pre-production. So for each of your three books that I mentioned in in your bio, you've been on. And your latest book is called Entrepreneurial You. So can you give me a brief synopsis of that title?
2: Absolutely. So Entrepreneurial You is about a topic that is... I think, near and dear to the hearts of any entrepreneur or small business owner, including attorneys, which is how do you actually make a living from your endeavor? My most recent past book stand out was about how do you, how do you get well-known in your field? How do you build a, a brand for yourself? How do you gain the respect of your peers and your community? Of course, that is important, even essential, but it does not pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And so as a sequel, I wanted to write Entrepreneurial You, which is really a brass tacks look at how people actually bring in revenue today in an increasingly chaotic and disrupted marketplace? How can people actually build a a thriving and sustainable Mm. career?
1: I love this. So this is like the Back to the Future 2 of your book series.
2: (laughs) Yes, but hopefully higher quality. I was a little disappointed by Back to the Future 2. Yeah,
1: Back to the Future 2 is kind of hot garbage. So yes, um, I think the bar is relatively low for you to jump here. All right. (laughs) So I think that's great. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. And it's true. Like for a lot of lawyers, I think they get very well known in their field and they kind of stop there. And they're not making very much money. So let's talk about how they can do better. The first section of this book, though, before we jump into that completely, is about building a brand, which is something you've talked about regularly for a long time. So one thing that I've always been interested in is I think lawyers are fairly uniquely positioned to build a brand, even in a saturated field as they're in. How do you think that they can go about doing that?
2: Well, I think that one area that you're exactly right about is for many people who are employed by companies, they're, they're very constrained as to what is okay for them to do in terms of brand building. Whether it is uh, formal corporate policies or feeling like you know their boss might be threatened if they are building <laughs> a, a big brand. Yes. Whereas in the world of law, certainly of course if you're self-employed, but even if you're working at at a firm that is a place where you are wanted and encouraged to build a brand i think there's a really keen understanding that when you get known that's how you get clients it is a good thing when potential people in the community have heard of you mm-hmm. and know who you are and what you stand for and you know everybody says oh well You know, he's the go to guy for XYZ. Um, That's the position you want to be in. And so, the ways to build a brand, um, I actually have created a framework uh, Hmm. for this, which I spent a lot of time working on, uh, which I call the recognized expert evaluation toolkit. Hmm. And essentially, what I've discovered through interviewing hundreds of top thought leaders across a spectrum of different fields. Uh, including attorneys, is that fundamentally, there are three levers that drive your ability to be well-known and build a brand in the marketplace. The first is content creation. The second is social proof. And the third is your network. And very briefly, what I mean by those things, content creation is basically the idea that You might be really good, but unless you are sharing your ideas publicly, it's very hard for people that have not worked with you directly to understand that you're very good. Mm -hmm. So, whether that's uh, pieces in your local legal journal, whether that is um, op eds, whether that is creating videos for your firm, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, that's a really important way. And, you know, this podcast, for instance, is a great way of building brand. Oh, yeah. Social proof is about your credibility in the marketplace. What what are the brands that you're associated with? You know, It could be where you went to law school. It could be where you went to undergrad. It could be a firm that you worked at in the past. It could be clients you've worked with. It could be having a, a role with your uh, local bar association. Any of those things give you important credibility. And then finally, your network, because you need the people around you to know who you are and to be advocates for you. And I'll just mention briefly that if folks are interested in actually 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 assessing themselves and figuring out where they are on the spectrum you know where they're strong and where they're weaker i have a free tool uh this toolkit they can get it for free at my website uh just go to doryclark.com d-o-r-i-e-c-l-a-r-k.com slash toolkit and you can download it for free and actually score and assess yourself so you can figure out your own action plan
1: awesome so check that out at doryclark.com so one thing that lawyers have traditionally done well, I think, almost without even trying, is to become trusted sources for their clients. And you talk about that a little bit in your book. Lawyers are great at like having clients come to them for all their needs. And I think that's one of the reasons that law firms become successful. So given that it's 2017, given that everybody's on the internet in some fashion advertising themselves, how can attorneys amplify their reach as trusted sources in 2017 that they couldn't have done in like nineteen eighty?
2: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, in the past, we lived in a gatekeeper economy, right? If the if the editor of the local legal journal or the local business journal or what have you didn't like you or for some reason didn't want to hear from you, you were kind of in trouble because it, <laughs> there was a limited number of ways that you could actually get out and spread your message. Now we've become totally decentralized, and you know the plus side is that uh, the gatekeepers matter a lot less. The downside, of course, is that there is a lot more noise and a lot more competition. Mm -hmm. So it has to be high quality and it also oftentimes has to be Differentiated. So I mean, this is this is where niches, for instance, are really helpful. Because if you're if you're doing a podcast about the law, and (laughs) you know, one week, you're talking about divorces, and the next week, you're talking about, you know, national, national politics and and the Supreme Court. And the week after that, you're talking about zoning issues, people are going to be like, wait a minute, this is this is all over the map. I don't even know. You know what they're trying to accomplish so mm-hmm. niching down and really getting known for a specific thing and going deep in that uh, can be very powerful to you that's not to say you have to stay in that niche forever but yeah. it's often a very good starting place
1: that's a great point that's why I do the only legal podcast focused on law practice management and issues surrounding Warren Zevon, and it's worked out pretty well
2: that's amazing I love that <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right now let's chill for a second this is all the stuff you need to buy Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call yourself at 800 Answer One or visit them at AnswerOne.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Do you feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and to grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and to generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. All right, thanks for coming back. I'm still here, and so is Dory Clark, and she's talking about entrepreneurship in the modern world. So when you read online, it's very easy to find articles about the topic of having the courage to become an entrepreneur and to go out and to start your own business. In your new book, you frame it in a different way. You talk about the courage to monetize. So why does that take courage?
2: Well, I think think most people have probably experience this. I mean, certainly, you know, if if you started out at a larger firm, you didn't have to face this, you know, you, you were kind of shielded because the firm had rates and you, you weren't <laughs> handling the billing, you know, you, you were just charged out at whatever they charge people out at and, and you could kind of go on your merry way. Yep. But the minute you opened your own practice, it's oh my God, what do I ask for? Where do I position myself? And it becomes a a really tricky question, of course, because... On one hand, you might say, well, you know, I can undercut the big firms because I don't have all the overhead and so I can be the bargain choice and that'll be great. But Mm -hmm. then you realize, oh, no, I don't want to be so much the bargain choice that I have these crappy (laughs) bottom dweller (laughs) clients. That's no good either. And so, so you're kind of, you know, ping ponging between extremes and it can become really challenging. And honestly, it touches, I think, on some really foundational psychological issues for a lot mm-hmm. of us about, you know, mm-hmm. how do we value ourselves? How do we, you know, yeah. how can we come to feel comfortable, uh, articulating what our value is when, you know, let's face it early on, we may not, totally be sure. We may be a little a little unclear about the value we're bringing. And so to appear certain to others is a bit of a challenge. So there really is a level of courage associated with getting comfortable asking for money and asking for what you're worth.
1: Yep, And I think that's particularly true of lawyers. I mean, a lot of lawyers, a lot of doctors suffer from imposter syndrome generally, and it just gets ramped up when you start your own company. Lawyers in particular, however, those folks like to stay in their own lanes a little bit or traditionally have done so. They want to do one thing. They want to maybe market themselves a little bit, but mostly sit behind a desk and practice the type of law of their choosing. So in what ways can lawyers or should lawyers, I suppose, be thinking about accessing the gig economy, which is something we haven't talked about yet in the show?
2: Yeah, so... I think that the connotation in many ways of the gig economy is like, oh, it's, you know, it's your dad, you know, driving an Uber, or (laughs) it's your little cousin in college being a task rabbit and uh, assembling Ikea furniture for people. And certainly that is a part of the gig economy, and it it can be a useful part for people that are looking to make some extra money on the side. Mm -hmm. But really what my focus is in Entrepreneurial U is – you could call it the gig economy writ large. What I'm talking about is not a way to make an extra 25 bucks on the weekend. Uh, What I'm talking about is something that I think would be of hopefully far more interest to your listeners, which is ways to create new six-figure income streams. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about how how does this play out for well-educated, talented professionals? How can we leverage these forces to benefit our own careers? And so- I think that, that in many ways it gets pigeonholed as this, you know, make a little extra spending money when actually it can be really transformative for our businesses. And so that could involve, uh, you know, everything from creating an online course Mm -hmm. to doing university teaching to writing a book. Uh, maybe it's creating an online membership community. Maybe it's holding mastermind retreats. You know, there's, there's a, a wealth of possibilities.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a better way for attorneys to look at it. I still think most, even professionals, look at the gig economy as exactly what you said—making an extra twenty-five bucks here or there, driving an Uber for a couple hours. But thinking about it in that way, there is definitely money to be made. So, do you find that even under that definition, with most professionals, are people looking for side hustles like solely because the economy is kind of in poor shape right now? Or is it partly also a function of the modern tendency that people have to want to multitask and stay busy and to be always on?
2: Well, I think it it certainly can be both of those things, but I would Mm -hmm. would argue it, it may even be more. One is that it is a way that Renaissance people can stay growing. I think that there's a lot of people out there that get a little bored just doing one thing. And there is something pretty exciting where you say, you know, it's not, it's not that I need to be changing careers all the time. It's that I can do multiple things that fulfill different needs for myself. And so, you know, I I think that there's probably a lot of people who are attorneys, let's say, and they would really like to do some teaching Mm -hmm. and that can be a cool outlet. You know, it's a way to do public speaking. It's a way to connect with people. It's a way to give back. It's a way to earn extra money. Um, That's kind of cool. It's a way of trying on other selves and gaining prestige, professional reputation, and money at the same time as you do it.
1: That's a great point. A lot of attorneys are frustrated. Polyglots, like, they're like everybody in Piano Man. Basically, every <laughs> lawyer wants to do something else. <laughs> well, what you know, ta- I mean, a lot
2: of a lot of lawyers, let's be honest, right? They're the humanities majors, right? Yes, they're the, absolutely. The science yes. Majors, yes, you yes. know, and and they're the people who are like, you know, they, they may love being a lawyer, but they're like, hey, I'm not reading Milton so much anymore. And, <laughs> you know, this is kind of a way to tap into some of the things that you might have worried that you left behind forever.
1: Yeah, but what you're talking about is not just hacking around, doing it in a systematic way and making some real money off of it, which I think is great direction for people to have.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and you know I want to be the first to say too. Uh, these strategies that I'm talking about, it's not just theory. One of the things that I did very deliberately in writing this book was I sought to make myself the first guinea pig, and so I tried out many of the strategies in the book. I, I decided that I would essentially use this as my instruction manual, and so I spent 2016 writing the book, you know, doing the research writing the book, and I also spent the time implementing it. And so using the strategies that that I learned through these interviews, you know, speaking to 50 really successful high, six, seven, eight figure entrepreneurs, I implemented that largely through an online course, which was one of my big areas of activity. Mm-hmm. Um, I also experimented a little bit more with live masterminds. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did that and I was able to add an additional $193,000 to my bottom line in 2016 year over year compared to 2015.
1: That's a pretty good year as a guinea pig. Nothing wrong with that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. It, pay, it pays to try this stuff out.
1: All right. So now, now everybody's really listening. We should have led with that. <laughs> but this is great. So, And what we're going to dive into next is some of the specific ways that uh, Dory suggests folks get out there and earn some real money in the gig economy, the professional gig economy. Now, while I try to find my other pants, listen to some more words from our sponsors. Firm Central cloud-based legal practice management software for solo and small firms provides a single online location for all of the tools you need to manage client files and perform client work and offers unrivaled integration with Westlaw. With Firm Central, you can securely store and organize documents and case files, manage time tracking and billables, and collaborate with clients through a secure client portal from anywhere there is an internet connection. All right, thanks for coming back. How was your hummus sandwich? Mine was sublime. Now, let's re-engage with Dory Clark, again, who's talking about you, the New School Entrepreneur. All right. So this is what we segued out of from our last segment. Let's talk about some of these specific ways that professionals can promote and monetize their expertise in much the same way that you did last year. So you believe, as you mentioned, that becoming a consultant or a coach is a viable additional income stream. So what makes you feel that way? A and B, how do you think lawyers might be able to leverage that as well?
2: Well, I definitely believe that that coaching and consulting can be viable income streams. Certainly, I've it's something that, that I have done in my business, and I, I've seen many, many uh, entrepreneurs do it as well. Part of the reason why I think it's a great thing to explore, honestly, is that there's no startup costs. I mean, you already have a computer, I'm assuming. You already have internet access. Aside from <laughs> that, there's really nothing... Uh, necessary. You know, for, for something like doing an online course, for instance, I think that is a great way to make money. But there is mm-hmm. an outlay of time of, of money it doesn't have to be a lot. You know, so, I mean, some people worry like, oh, it's going to cost me $100,000 to make it. No, 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 no. I mean, there, there's people, of course, who will try to sell you, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, we can help you with your <laughs> online course for $100,000. Yes. I will tell you, I filmed mine myself. And the equipment that I used, I bought on Amazon for about $250. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone who is interested, I have a complete list of it. You can get it at doryclark.com slash video tools and download a list of the exact equipment that I used for it. Um, so I kept it really lean, but I, I also did a lot of, you know, the labor myself, but something you can do at no cost is start as a consultant or a coach. You don't even, you don't even have to have a following, you know, Presumably, you have some kind of a social and professional network at this point. Mm -hmm. And so your coaching could be on just about anything. It could be something related to the legal profession. Like, for instance, let's say, uh, Jared, that you are really amazing (laughs) at helping people figure out the business aspects of being a lawyer. Hypothetically, yes. Just hypothetically. You know, you could say, uh, you know, you run into some colleague at a a function. They're saying, oh, it's, you know, I'm I'm really just run down trying to figure all this out. You know, I I mean, the business part isn't going that well. Well, guess what? you could mention, hey, you know, lately I've been doing some consulting about that. Mm. And boom. You know, you don't have to have a website. You don't have to have a mailing list even, although, you know, those are good things to have. But you could land a client right there and get started, which I think Mm -hmm. is is the most key thing. But the honest truth is whatever people are already coming to you for, I mean, maybe it's not a a legal thing at all. Maybe it's that Mm you are, you know, somebody who just dresses really well. And everybody's like, Whoa, that's amazing. I wish I could dress like you. Well, guess what, you could start a coaching business where you, you know, for whatever, for, you know, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks, you could go to somebody's house and go through their closet and throw out all the bad stuff and put together outfits and then take them on a shopping trip. You know, I mean, something that'd be fun for you, but extremely valuable for somebody else. These are all possibilities.
1: I know that's like, people are always like, Jared, like, how do you dress so well? Where do you find the array of plaid shirts in your closet? And I was hard.
2: suggesting it because I, I thought yeah. it would be salient for you.
1: It's a, it's a tough lifestyle, but everyone has their cross to bear. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about another venue that is particularly appropriate for this discussion. You mentioned this a couple of times too. Podcasting as a marketing vehicle. I think that's tremendous. So, can you talk a little bit about how someone would engage in a podcast?
2: I certainly can. So, a podcast is good on a couple of levels, right? So, one is that it is a terrific way to build your brand. You know, simply Mm -hmm. you're creating content, you're getting known. So, even if there was no money involved whatsoever, it is. A pretty cool thing to do because it helps raise your profile. Another aspect of podcasting, honestly, is that it helps your network. So yep. if you have a show that does interviews, this is a really good opportunity, an excuse even to interview all the people that you want to connect with and talk with. So <laughs> yes. that's a plus. But then above and beyond that, <laughs> you get the possibility that that once you have enough of a following this is not something that's going to happen you know your first week but yeah. over time as you build up enough of a following you are going to potentially have enough listeners that you might attract the attention of sponsors and this is especially true if you have a niche a niche focus and a niche audience because it may actually be hard for people to reach certain groups and if yep. you have clustered them together and they're a desirable group you know whatever it is maybe it's your podcast for personal injury attorneys maybe it's your mm-hmm. podcast for you know whatever you know if if there is a group that would like to reach your audience. Uh, Maybe it's somebody who sells services to that group. You know, there's a lot of possibilities. You could uh, start reaching out to them and say, hey, you know, I'm getting, you know, I have 10,000 listeners here. Would you be interested in doing a sponsorship? And you may be able to get a, you know, pretty decent rate per episode for doing, you know, advertisement, you know, pre-rolls or whatever.
1: I'm still waiting for my Rolo sponsorship. I'm
2: holding (laughs) out
1: hope for that every Halloween. <laughs> Last question I want to ask you, and this has been a great discussion. You talked a little bit about online courses, recording those, selling those, and kind of the latent value of those things as money-making endeavors. Could you explain a little bit more about how you would do that and about how an attorney could do that? And I know you referenced that uh, that link on your website as well. And if you want to bring that up again, I think that'd be helpful too.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So online courses is something that you know, certainly we have all seen grow dramatically over the years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's no surprise why Uh, in-person education is really expensive. It's kind of inconvenient for for busy people to have to (laughs) convene in a certain place at a certain time. And so there's been a real push to asynchronous learning. And that's even true for Traditional programs. I mean, I, yep. I teach for the Fuqua School of Business at Duke, and some of the, not all, of course, but but some of the programs that I've done have very explicitly had a hybrid model where part of what you do is in class, but part of it is uh, is a webinar session that takes place over time. So everybody is turning to this. This is not a fringe thing anymore. And so, if you have specialized knowledge in some capacity, that. It is likely that people might be willing to pay for it, and you know, there's a lot of ways to structure it. I'm less familiar with this. You probably know more about this than I do, Jared. Although uh, I know that there's there's some uh, situations where you can get an online course set up for professional development, you know, certification credits. Yes.
1: Yep. And yep. Uh,
2: so that's that's one possibility. That's a good it's, angle
1: for lawyers too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I I think for for people in the professions like law, that's something to think about. But, you know, in my case, it really is about finding the balance of something that you know how to do that is, uh, you know, a little less common, something that you offer that's special and what people around you are interested in. And so I'll give you an example one of the online courses that I've created is something called the rapid content creation masterclass. Mm. And, you know, I, I've done uh, a number of online courses and experimented in different ways. This is one that's actually, for me, been surprisingly popular uh, because there really, they really, I've discovered, isn't anything like it. And the best place to start is what are the questions that people ask you all the time? what are the things where they're just constantly like, how do you do that? Oh, that's so impressive. You know, break that down for me. When you keep hearing that, you start to realize, oh, there's, you know, there's some interest here. There's some traction here. People, you know, for a lot of us, we might feel like the skills that we have are just like, oh, everybody can do that. But the truth is, it's not, it's not really. And sometimes what we can offer is considered special. So for the rapid content creation masterclass, I used to be a journalist. And so as a result, I have learned some tricks to be able to create content like blog posts or articles Really fast, and they're essentially kind of life hacks that a lot of journalists use. And probably a lot of journalists would be like, "Oh, but doesn't everyone use it?" And the truth is, no. I heard from so many of my coaching students that they'd be doing blog posts and take them like six hours or something terrible. <laughs> and you know, when you would say to them, "Oh, well, you know, it's important to blog," they'd be like, "Oh my god, that's so horrifying!" and you know you'd wonder why well of course if something took you 6 hours every time you do it you'd find it pretty depressing too yes. and so i created this course to help people write good quality content faster and it seems like a lot of people are pretty interested in that and so i think for all of us we can ask ourselves what are the things that people are asking us about and you know that they seem really curious about and then you know is it something that we can create a course to to transmit the rapid content creation masterclass it's not it's not long i actually ran it the very first time as a 3 hour live webinar and mm-hmm. then i packaged that as a uh, as a recording which people you know subsequently can can download if folks are interested in checking it out it's at doryclark.com/courses
1: but it couldn't be long, right? The rapid content creation course has to be short, right?
2: <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, but so, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. And even now, I will just get a nice surprise, you know, randomly at random intervals, multiple times a week. It's a $200 class. And I'll just get a notification, oh, you know, somebody bought it just off my website. And so if you create something that your audience is interested in, that can become a really great evergreen asset for you.
1: Absolutely. All right. These are some great points. Unfortunately, that's going to do it for this episode of the Legal Toolkit. I should say the award-winning Legal Toolkit podcast just awarded an ABA Web 100. I want to throw that in there. And not only that, but this was Dory Clark's record-breaking third appearance on the podcast. So as you know, I'll be back for future shows with further insights into my soul, the soul of America, as well as the legal market. But if you're feeling nostalgic for my dulcet tones, you can hear them anytime you want by checking out our entire show archive at legaltalknetwork.com. So thanks again to Dory Clark, who is brilliant and good at everything she does, for appearing on today's show. Dory, can you tell folks a little bit more about where to find information surrounding you and your efforts?
2: Absolutely, Jared. Thank you. So the the best place, kind of the central repository for everything, including more than 500 free articles that I've done for places like Forbes and the Harvard Business Review is Mm -hmm. my website, doryclark.com. It's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. And I'll also just mention for folks who are particularly interested in diversifying their income streams, there is a resource that I created, the Entrepreneurial You Self-Assessment that actually walks you through how to do that. And you can get that for free at doryclark.com entrepreneur.
1: And remember, the Entrepreneurial You book is out now as well. So thanks again, Dory. Much appreciated.
2: Hey, thanks a lot, Jared. Take care.
1: And thanks all of you out there for listening. And remember, if the Dapper Dan pomade is unavailable, do not settle for FOP.
0: Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join host Jared Correa for his next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit legaltalknetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes.